0: Thank you.
1: Just heard 16-year-old violinist Ion Ahmad perform the first movement of Beethoven's Sonata for Violin and Piano, Number One in D Major. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and I joined Ion on the piano. And this is from the top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. The young people who appear on our program are more than talented musicians; they're also budding scientists, composers, swimmers, and more. And as part of their fellowship at From the Top, they're not just performing, these teens are reflecting on what it takes to be an artist and how to connect with their audience. Let's begin at the studio with Ayan Ahmad, the beautiful violinist you heard just moments ago. Ion, welcome to From the Top. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Ion, I understand that you attend PMP, the Perlman Music Program. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what PMP is. Yeah,
2: well, it's an amazing music program that um, is run or created by Toby Perlman, who is the wife of Itzhak Perlman. And yeah, it's out on Shelter Island off of New York,
1: and it's just an amazing place. So you, a couple of years ago, had a really memorable experience that involved Mr. Perlman.
2: Yeah, so basically what happened is um, we were playing in a quartet. It was actually a Beethoven quartet. And our first violinist got sick a few days before the concert. Hmm. And so we didn't know what we were going to do. And we thought that someone would sub in because that's what they had told us. Someone would just sub in for us in the concert. And we thought it would be maybe one of the fellows or maybe one of the teachers. Uh And then on the day of the concert, not even eight hours before the performance, Uh we were told that our substitute first violinist would be Itzhak Perlman himself. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> it's at Perlman's substitute violinist here. <laughs> <laughs> so we rehearsed with them for about 30 minutes right before dinner. And the way they actually presented it to the audience was that it didn't say in the program. So nobody knew that he was going to be performing. So mm-hmm. it was a shock to everyone when he came out on the stage. And it was just a super fun experience overall.
1: As you may know, PMP was my old stomping grounds yes. when I was a teenager. I was there as a student when I was fourteen, and then I went back as a camp counselor. So, I mean, I really grew up on Shelter Island, and um, it's just really nice to meet someone who, who I know that you know this has a, been a big source of inspiration for you, just like it was for me. And right. we've had so many PMP kids come through on From the Top, and of um, we just we just love what happens there. Yeah. I also want to hear about what's going on for you during the school year. Uh, you're involved in your school's planning
2: board. Planning board. Well, there's <laughs> one event that's coming up pretty soon uh-huh. that's still not finalized. It might sound startling, but it's a car smashing fundraiser. So Okay. <laughs> basically, what it is is we have this uh company and in this automobile company that's willing to lend us a few cars that they no longer want anymore and that probably will be destroyed anyway. Uh-huh. And we're going to put them out in the parking lot, and after school, we're going to charge people to smash up the car with sledgehammers and whatever
1: else they want. Why did Why did this not exist at my school? <laughs> this sounds like a beautiful, healthy way for some teens to get out, you know, some aggression. <laughs> Definitely. I think everyone will love to smash some cars. Before we say goodbye, there's one other part of you that's important that we need to talk about. Um, And it might come as a surprise to our listeners, because obviously you have amazing motor control. You're a very dexterous person, but you are also kind of accident prone. Yes. And, And I know you've had quite a few accidents, but it's okay to laugh about them because... Actually, in some ways, they've helped you musically that in the long true. run, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, this really is a more recent thing because up until the age of 15, I had never broken a bone and I'd really nothing bad had ever happened to me injury-wise. Last April of this year, actually, that I was um, chaperoning at our freshman formal dance. And you were chaperoned. I was chaperoning. <laughs> okay. Imagine like a pull up bar, bar if you're okay. hanging from it and then yeah. you swing your legs forward and around and you sort of do like a little flip and then you land. That and sounds like a terrible idea. It, it is a pretty
1: terrible idea. <laughs> but basically,
2: I tried doing this on a door frame. So, not even on a bar. On like and
1: this, you know folks, this was the chaperone this, doing this. <laughs> yes. Okay, it was. Ion. All right.
2: Um, so I did that or I didn't do it because I slipped and then I fell. Oh, and no. uh I broke my collarbone and Oof. was nearly concussed. So, Oof. But you've made a full
1: recovery. I
2: have made a full recovery. The recovery was actually quite short. And I couldn't play violin for two weeks because mm-hmm. of it. Sure, But during that time, actually, I think it really improved my music making because... That was at a point where I looking back at it, I needed a break mm-hmm. and not playing the violin for two weeks and sort of just doing other things and taking my mind off music mm-hmm. was surprisingly beneficial for my playing. So mm, Yes,
1: yeah. Sometimes hopefully it doesn't always require a broken collarbone, but sometimes it is helpful to step away from the instrument for a bit and come Definitely. back with fresh ears. Uh Ion Man, it's such a pleasure to talk with you, my my fellow PMP brother, but now my musical brother. Um, it was so much fun playing Beethoven together. It was a pleasure. Sixteen-year-old violinist Ion Ahmad from Sharon, Massachusetts. I just love Ion's attitude and his ability to see the benefits of something that's beyond his control. You know, to find the positive in something as challenging as an injury. And speaking of being positive, 18-year-old composer Elisa Johnson, who's up next, brings so much positivity and confidence to the music, she writes. Let's head to the studio to meet her now. Elisa, I'm so thrilled to have you on our program today.
3: I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You know, it's not every day that From the Top gets to speak with a talented young composer such as yourself, and there's so much to dive into with you, but first... Can you tell me the story behind this piece that you composed that we're about to hear?
3: Yes, this piece is called Lost Without You, and I composed it right after my grandfather passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly.
1: Yeah, well, I wanna say that I'm so sorry for your loss, Elisa, and um, this is just such a beautiful tribute that you've created for him, and uh, I can't wait to hear this piece of music. This is Lost Without You and it's going to be performed by the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. That was Lost Without You, an original composition by 18-year-old Elisa Johnson, performed by the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. And what a stunning tribute that was to your grandfather, Elisa. And you really take us on a journey with the music. I love the narrative arc of it.
3: Thank you so much.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of getting the music from the page and then into the hands of the members of the orchestra because that process of how you communicate with the players um, must be kind of complicated. Uh, Do you have any memories that are either particularly good or bad of how that goes with that sort of communication?
3: Yes, so oftentimes when I am composing, I am composing for instruments that I don't play. And so Mm -hmm. being able to translate my ideas onto someone else's instrument that I oftentimes don't understand all that well can be really difficult and sometimes I have been to rehearsal and a musician has come up to me and said hey this isn't possible to play on my instrument is there a way we (laughs) could rework this and it's always a great conversation to have because it helps me learn how to communicate with musicians which is just so important for being a composer
1: yeah I mean it's obviously a gift for a composer like you to be able to hear from musicians and get that feedback, but also it goes both ways. It's a real gift for, you know, performers like myself to work with a living composer like you. You know, I can't ask questions of Beethoven and Brahms.
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: You've said that when you start composing, you often begin with a melody. Um, do, you, do you hum these tunes, sing them to yourself, tinker on the piano? How does it go?
3: All of the above, really. I oftentimes will come up with a melody and if I have my phone on me, I'll record it immediately because I don't want to forget it.
1: Well, we have some evidence to prove that that's true. So what are we hearing here?
3: This is a voice memo that I recorded I want to say around two years ago, and you can maybe hear some of the background noise in there. I'm in a public place, and I oftentimes can't control when I'm getting the best ideas, and I sometimes just get out my phone and start recording an idea when it comes to me, and you know, that's a melody I haven't used yet, but it's really nice to be able to have it just in case I ever do.
1: I just love this image of you um walking around in in, in public and like sort of <laughs> discreetly singing these brilliant tunes into your phone. Where do you get your inspirations from?
3: I think to be able to write music you have to listen to a lot of music and for me I love to explore anything from you know pop on the radio to um the greatest uh, you know, classical pieces to mm-hmm. a lot of living composers, actually. I try to listen to their music because that's really how I get to know them and I get to know their process and I'm often really inspired by what they have to say.
1: Yeah. There is a particular piece you composed which was inspired by something seemingly separate from music I'm talking about your piano trio that is just brilliant in its conception. Can you tell me about it?
3: Yes. I am a huge biology nerd. I love science. I always have. And this piece is based on the structure of cell division. And it also has multiple layers of meaning. And so while the literal musical gestures you're hearing are inspired by you know, DNA being um, duplicated and separating out into different cells, the sort of deeper meaning behind that is I wanted to create a piece that sort of showcased ways that society can experience unity and division.
1: I love the way your mind works, Elisa. It's incredible the way you draw these connections between science and music and then social issues. And you just merge them all in a way that's so organic. Um, Thanks again for sharing your piece with us, too. It was really touching to hear that.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: 18-year-old composer Elisa Johnson from Seattle, Washington. Elisa's confidence to take an idea and create a work of art around it is just astounding. Even more so because I think for many young musicians, it can be hard for them to really believe that they are serious artists. And sometimes I wonder, when does that start? When do they begin to see themselves as artists? We do have to take a quick break now, but don't change that dial. Coming up next, we head into outer space with a 17-year-old aspiring rocket scientist in a segment that we're calling Pianists in (laughs) Space! And we'll hear a beautiful ballad by one of the great musical minds of the 20th century, John Coltrane. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org.
4: Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age.
1: This is from the top where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and I am so grateful to be with all of you this week and every week thanks to the generosity of Susan and Gerald Slavitt who sponsor my position as host on the program. And a big thank you to the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation. We are so grateful for our partnership with them. Together, we give out 20 scholarships a year of $10,000 each to young musicians with financial need. This can make a huge impact in the lives of these young artists, whether it's paying for a new instrument, for music lessons, or to attend the summer program of their dreams. Apply now at fromthetop.org. That was 18-year-old violinist Quinn Ung from Madison, Wisconsin, performing Paganini's Caprice Number 20. So beautifully performed, so much range, so much control, and just really well done, Quinn.
5: Thank you so much, Peter.
1: I'm very pleased to say that you are one of our Jack Kent Cook Young artists. Congratulations.
5: (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: Quinn, in reading about you, one of the things that really stood out to me is how self-motivated you are as an individual. And you've really directed your own journey, including a remarkable story about finding a new teacher in Chicago. Tell me about that.
5: I would say that when I was like around like a uh, eighth grader I felt like my technical like skills were not at the level that I wanted yet and seeing all these amazing musicians on YouTube and how they could really get around the instrument really like flexibly and and in tune and clean. I really wanted to be like them, and I started doing like research on myself by myself and seeing like who they studied with and what steps they took to become who they are. And mm-hmm. I feel like going to Chicago for lessons, which is the decision that I decided to make was a really big step for my family. It was so, it was a big step in the way that when I told my parents initially, they were kind of taken aback by how severe I took this because um, we live in Madison and it's um, quite a long drive around three to four hours to go to Chicago. And like, I felt like I needed to go through that process of just going to the audition and seeing what happened. So that's what we did. And we showed up to the audition in Chicago and I played for the teacher and she assigned me to work for her assistant and yeah, I've been working with her assistant for a few years, and I also study with her now. And the whole process of doing that really um, made my technique a lot more solid, I would say.
1: Clearly, clearly. Um, you mentioned that long trek to Chicago. You, I know that... It wasn't as simple as just getting in the car and go like you ended up having to take a bus, right?
5: That's true. Yeah, I did have to take a bus just because um, my family at the time could not um, drive me there. So
1: well, just another another example of how motivated you've been throughout your musical development. Oh, thank you. Quinn, I know you and your brother love playing basketball together and you've spoken about a connection between basketball and violin. Talk to me about that.
5: When we played together, I would just throw the ball like with the worst form. Like I would just shove it in a way and I would oh, yeah, make just it hurl in. Yeah, it over. Yeah, your and hip. I would make it <laughs> in. And I'd be like, see, you don't even need a perfect art to make the ball in. And <laughs> right. then he was like, oh my gosh. So, but then like little by little, like when I saw his passion with basketball and the art of it and like, practicing each shot the same way to, like, ensure that it's, Mm. like, consistent, it kind of motivated me to continue, like, being so consistent and working detailed with violin and stuff like that. So, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, it's like you have to enjoy the process of something Mm -hmm. and you have to really savor the time spent practicing and going through the motions so that at the end you know it's going to be there for you on stage
3: yeah
1: Quinn it was so great to meet you so great to have you on the show today you're such a strong person uh, such a strong violinist too Uh, if the future is bright for you Quinn thank you thank you that was 18 year old violinist Quinn Ung from Madison Wisconsin We learn so much from the young musicians who come on our program, and hopefully they're learning from us too. You know, for many of them, From the Top is their first experience in a pro recording environment. Like with Quinn, as she was recording her Paganini, I let her in on an industry secret, which is that all of her favorite recordings of that piece have been edited. And of course, there are multiple takes that go into what you ultimately hear on the radio or on a CD. And Quinn was shocked to learn that these musicians who she looked up to so much weren't necessarily laying down one perfect take. And frankly, I was happy to be able to help change the narrative and let her know that greatness really has nothing to do with perfection. We've been hearing about the moment a teenager begins to see themselves as a serious artist. And 15-year-old Harry Joe, who we'll meet next, uses social media to put himself out there. I met this versatile young saxophonist at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. that was 15-year-old harry joe performing naima by john coltrane i'm pianist peter dugan i had the great fun of joining you on that tune harry gosh you play so well and of course your improvisation chops are just stunning thank you harry i was so excited when i found out that you were coming on the show because for me as you know i play classical and jazz piano and sometimes I wish that we didn't even have to make a distinction. But for the sake of our conversation, let's use those terms. You're a jazz saxophone player and a classical player. And I'm curious about that journey for you. Uh, talk me through how you ended up as this incredibly dual-talented musician.
6: Yeah. I started playing saxophone when I was 12. But before that, I also was playing piano and violin. Mm-hmm. And so getting into classical saxophone wasn't that hard. Compared to getting to jazz. Mm. And it took me a lot of listening every day Mm. to different types of jazz music, like Latin, blues, bebop. Yeah. And I just had to let it all sink in. Yes. And clearly you've done that and you've done your homework. Yeah. When I play jazz saxophone, it's really free and very freestyle. Yeah. And improvising. So I don't really have to think about memorizing all of the specific Mm. notes Mm -hmm. and playing as it is on the page. Mm-hmm. And on classical saxophone, it's just similar to classical piano and violin. So I have to memorize each musical phrase and idea mm-hmm. that's on the page. Right. And
1: the mouthpieces are even different too, right? Yeah.
6: Most jazz mouthpieces are really open inside. Mm-hmm. There's a large chamber compared to classical mouthpieces where the tip opening is also smaller. So you don't get like a lot of pitch differences on classical setups.
1: Ah, it keeps the pitch a little more streamlined. And you can bend notes a little more with the jazz. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Oh, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I'd love to hear a little demonstration of, because we heard your incredible jazz setup, I'd love to hear a little demonstration of your classical setup. Can we
6: play a little something classical together? Yeah. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to play The Swan by Camille Saint-Saëns. Beautiful. Let's do it
1: one of the things i love about your work is you've put so much great music out on social media what do you find most rewarding about doing that or what do you love about it
6: I think just when people comment on my posts and like like them, Mm -hmm. and like the interaction on the internet, it just, I love that. Yeah, I feel like, especially us jazz players, we're always
1: tough on ourselves, right? We're We're our toughest critics. So to hear some positive reinforcement can mean a lot. Yeah. Before we go, I'm curious, if you could, you're 15 now, but if you could speak to your younger self you know like maybe right at the age that you were first learning the saxophone any advice you would offer
6: that younger version of you i think just taking more time to practice and listening to great players would have helped me a lot back then well the nice thing is you still got so many years ahead of you so
1: you're going to keep absorbing all that wonderful music and man you've got you're doing plenty of practicing Make sure you're also having some fun, too. (laughs) Um, Harry, such a pleasure to hang out with you and play some music together. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Likewise. 15-year-old saxophonist Harry Joe from Pleasanton, California. I loved getting to know Harry because he and I are both musicians who enjoy traveling between genres. But our next young performer dreams of traveling into space. Are you ready? Join us. We're going to climb into a rocket ship in this next and final segment, and you're going to want to stick around to see what happens when two pianists go into space. Hey, welcome to From the Top, Alex. Hi, Peter. What piece
7: are you going to perform for us today? I will be playing Umbark sur le Océan uh, by Maurice Vavelle. Beautiful. Well, whenever you're ready,
1: you can take it from the top. That was 17-year-old pianist Alex Chen performing Ravel's Une Barque sur l'Océan from Miroir. Alex is from Chesterfield, Missouri. Alex, what a beautiful performance. You brought so much color to that. Thank you so much. Now, I know, Alex, that you are really into rocket science. I mean, like, seriously obsessed with rocket science. Is that right? Uh,
7: That's a fair assessment, (laughs)
1: yes. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to do this interview a little differently. Is that cool? Sure. (laughs) All right, let's do our interview in outer space with a brand new segment we are calling Pianists in Space! Man, I'm so excited to be in space with you. I don't know about you, my spacesuit is feeling pretty cozy. How's yours?
7: Yes, very warm in here.
1: <laughs> Alex, we're getting a call from NASA. You actually should take this call because you have a relationship with NASA, right? Tell me about Tech Rise.
7: Yes, so the NASA Tech Rise competition is a competition that is sponsored by NASA where student teams uh, from across the country can submit experiment proposals to their competition. And they are graded on a scale of design creativity and its impact on society. And our team was one of the few selected to actually receive NASA funding and a flight aboard a NASA-sponsored rocket um, to go to space and collect data and do the experiment.
1: So just so that all of our listeners understand, the experiment that you worked on in your high school is actually going to go into space. Correct. That is so cool, Alex. I got to say, I'm really enjoying my first trip to space right now. This is all pretty new to me. But Alex, it's obvious that you love the STEM subjects. And I understand that you think of yourself as having this systems engineer mindset and you've compared it to almost being like a conductor of an orchestra, right? How does that connection work for you?
7: Basically what the systems engineering mindset involves is you take a really, really big problem and you split it into a lot of tiny little parts. A conductor doesn't necessarily need to know how to play every instrument in the orchestra, but they need to know how to make the music sing and speak for itself. Yeah, and apparently you're able to do that within the field of tech, which is
1: which is huge. And I know you have a bright future <laughs> in that way.
7: Yeah, so I'm... I'm really, really passionate about the STEM fields. Um, and obviously, I'm very passionate about music. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I go off into college, it's uh, it's a very tough choice between um, the music and the STEM fields. Like music's been a very, very large part of my life. Yeah. Uh, the Ravel, it, it, it might be my last serious performance for the time being. Um, even if you make
1: that choice to to focus in school on stem the piano is always
7: there and the music is always there with you yeah I guess in the beginning I sort of saw the piano as like a, not necessarily like an adversary of sorts <laughs> but like I saw it as, as something to conquer yeah and now I really see it as like a companion I can take with me I love that um, I so. love that. good for you
1: Alex Uh, But with that, I do think we need to turn back and head home to Earth. Thank you for joining me for Pianists in (laughs) Space. Oh, Alex, what a fun journey. Loved getting to know more about your fascination with rocket science and also loved your Ravel. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Alex Chen, 17 years old from Chesterfield, Missouri. Well, I guess you could say that interview was a blast. (laughs) Alex and I are safe and sound back on Earth now, but boy, he blew me away. (laughs) That concludes our program for today, folks. I want to thank each and every one of our young performers for sharing not only their music with us, but also their humanity. And to you, listening at home or in the car or while sipping some chai and gazing out the window at a UPS truck. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Please join me next week, and we'll take it from the top. Thank you to all the recording studios who helped us make this show. A big shout-out to Matt MacArthur at The Record Company in Boston, Massachusetts, and to Bonnie Barrett and Makia Matsumura at Yamaha for supplying the piano there. Thank you to Eric Lillivoy at London Bridge Studio in Shoreline, Washington, and to Buzz Kemper at Audio for the Arts in Madison, Wisconsin. Thanks to Daniel Merman at Midtown Soundhouse in St. Louis, Missouri, and to our friends and partners at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. From the Top is produced by Megan Swan and Jessica Tickton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov.
4: Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. And from Dignity Memorial, helping families plan life celebrations now so their loved ones are protected later because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Learn more at dignitymemorial.com. This is NPR.
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.